the one thing that I know every parent, leader, mom, dad, Sunday school teacher, leader in our church has in common today is we want to see those that we're leading succeed. No, no dad has ever said and prayed, Lord, I, I pray that one day they end up in jail. No, no mother has ever said, Lord, I hope he drops out of school or, you know, just... It's, it's not in us. I, I, I don't care what your background is. I, I don't care what, how much money you have. Our, our goal, our heart is always, Lord, help them be like you. Lord, help them succeed. Lord, help them to achieve the goals that even, Lord, that I may not have been able to achieve in my own life. Whether it's your grandkids or your children. And this is what the Lord laid on my heart is this, this is our goal right here. It's, you guys know this, this is a biblical illustration is the fact that we are, we are all vessels in the hands of our God. And on the outside, there's not a lot to be desired and, and, and for that. But God says, you're, you're a tool used for me. And, and that illustration, the Bible talks about there's vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor, but... I know the one thing that we have in common is the fact that, that we're to be filled with God. We're to carry out the work of God. It's not about the, the, the vessel itself but more than the, the maker and the creator and the user of the vessel. You know what? The truth of the matter is that's all of our goal. In Jeremiah 18, there's this passage, and not that that's where we're going. Actually, turning your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. But in Jeremiah, there's this cool passage and Jeremiah is telling this story that God sent him to the potter and God said that the potter sat there and the the clay was messed up but he didn't throw the clay away that he took it back up and he began to mold it back into what he wanted and he said that's my desire for Israel he said that the, the potter has the ability to take the clay and form it into what he wants it but the the clay has to be has to be usable it's got to be submissive it's got to be touched by the master that is not my message today, but I tell you, it sure did hit me. And all of us have this in our eyes, in our hearts, to say, Lord, I, I want my kids, Lord, I want my children to be that vessel. Lord, I, I mean, for my, for my grandkids, I, I want them to grow up. I want them to serve God. I want them to make a difference. I want them filled with the Spirit of God. I, I want them to... Stand out in our community. I, I want our kids one day, maybe out of this church, and you say, this is crazy. No, this is a goal that we should have. One day, step into leadership, maybe even in our White House, and stand up leading for righteousness and putting God number one and putting righteousness number one. You say, that's impossible. No, it's not. It's not impossible. It's what's needed. It's what needs to happen. But let me tell you, it doesn't start here leadership and ability and say God we prayed me and my wife prayed for a child that we could have Lord give us this and God says I'll answer your prayer and God gives us this and you say God that is not what I prayed for Lord that that's a mess Lord there's there's nothing there God I'm looking at that and God says yes Just so you guys know that this visual of what I'm showing you right now, (laughs) this is parenting. This This is what God gives us in that delivery room as we bring it home for the first time and and all of it goes into play and saying, Lord, I I want I want them to be 
what you want it to be, and God says, all right, it can be, but you're going to have to do it my way. You're going to have to do it my way because it doesn't just happen. So let me ask you this question. What makes the difference? What makes the difference? I know our hearts and prayers have been for Charleston and, and, and that church and what happened this past Wednesday. And it breaks our heart to see what is happening. Let, let me tell you, that, that guy that walked into that church, that didn't just happen overnight. And I'm sure like a lot of you guys have been following those stories and seeing what's going on. That, that didn't just happen overnight. See, he was, he was formed and molded and his ideas and, and what went into his life There was a lot that went into his life, but it wasn't what he needed in his life. And what we're finding is a lot of misled young people that we leave to themselves or we allow the world to mold them, and we're not molding them to be the next generation for Christ. I want to read a story, and this is is not even actually the story. It's kind of like the the setting up of the story, but I, I want to point out the principles of this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 1, the Bible says, and Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead. Asa had passed away. Asa, his da- dad, was the king, and he died. And he strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garnishes in the land of Judah and set cities of Ephraim. And Asa, his father, had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not unto Balaam. But he sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at the job that you've called us and given us to do, Lord, help us to realize that the leaders of today is forming the leaders of tomorrow. Lord, every day, every opportunity, Every blessing that we have in our hands, Lord, it's for a reason. You've given it to us. And Lord, if we sit there and complain about the direction of our nation or the next generation, Lord, it's because we're not doing our job to mold them into what you've instructed us to do. Lord, give us wisdom as we read your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. I I, I love the fact that the Bible says this guy could have gone either way. He said we had the... The illustration of David, his father. We had the illustration of, or of his grandfather, which was generations before him. But David had such the reputation that he was that, that, that forefather that followed after God, that lived with conviction, that, had, that was different. He had Solomon and it went on down the line. And then we come to the, the line of Jehoshaphat and his father Asa. But the thing that the Bible says also in verse 4, that he did not go the way of the nation, of what everybody else was doing. And let me tell you, every one of us have to understand that our children are going to go one way or the other. And you, I, I want you guys to know, and you say, well, I'm not really a hands-on dad, or I'm not that type of dad that gets into his life or whatever. You need to know, if you don't, somebody else will. It's not a matter of them not being formed or molded. The devil is sitting there, and if you sit there and going, I'm just not that kind of dad, and you step back, the devil says, well, I'll take this. I, I, I'm looking for every opportunity that I can to make warriors for him. That's his job. That's what he's doing. As much as we're making disciples, so is Satan. 
So let me ask you, what makes the difference? Number one, the example that is set. We, we go back to, rather than, we, we talk about us, and we're sitting there saying, Lord, this is what I want for my children. God says, well, let's, let's start with you. Let's start with the example that is set before them, the one that has already been invested in, the one that has already been blessed, the one that's already been filled and given all the blessings of this life. Notice once again in verse 3, because he walked in the first ways of his father David. David was a man after God's own heart, a man that obeyed God, a man that lived with conviction. I mean, we know his conviction because he stood up, he ran out. He caught the attention of the world because he was willing to step out of his comfort zone and to speak up. But did you notice how it says in the first ways of David? I looked it up to see what that meant. It meant that he didn't want to follow in the ways of his failures. He was after the ways of his successes because the truth of the matter is David sinned. While we're on the subject, just so you know, if you're thinking, I can't believe you're using Asa as an example. Asa also <laughs> messed up in his life. Let me ask dads if we're going to be really transparent this morning. Have any dad, anybody that's a dad right here by raise of hand says that you've ever made a mistake in your life? Raise your hand. All right, for the rest of you, we have altar time for liars. So we'll have this all set aside. I promise you, you cannot lead without messing up. And I, I'm glad that God used David as an example. And you said, David sinned and David messed up. But David also, through his legacy, set an example of how to get it right. Guys, it's not, our, our life's not just about living a life of perfection. If you got this saying, well, I, I stepped off. I've made too many mistakes in my life. I, I, if I told my kids right from wrong, I'm just being a hypocrite. You know what made David so special is the fact that he did fall. He fell big. He fell in many areas all at once. Murder, lying, deception, sin, adultery. All of that in one thing. And he, he got his heart right. Guys, did you hear that? He got his heart right. Sometimes we need to know the example that we set before our children and before our families. It's not just a matter of how to do it right. But somehow how, how our example ought to be how to make it right. Well, when you do fail, because here's the thing. One day, your children are going to fail as well. You don't want them saying, well, I failed, I messed up, I may as well bail out of church, I may as well go away, I'm, I'm not, I can't do it, I was never good enough, I'm not cut out. Have you ever heard people say that? I'm not cut out to be a dad. Let me tell you, it's not about you, it's about God anyways. None of us are cut out to do what we're doing. God's the one that does the molding in our lives to create us to be what he wants us to be. But I love the fact that both of these men made mistakes in their lives. But this young man still said, I sought to follow in the ways of the Lord that they set before me. Our children are molded by influences in their lives. Like verse 4 says, he, he went the ways of his father, not after the doings of Israel. You guys realize what has happened is... When the influence that comes in, and why influence is for the example, is what, what fingerprints, what hands are being placed, directing their minds and their thoughts and their ideas, molding them. That's, you know, the verse says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what this is. The conforming means to be pressed into a mold. The world sits there and it has this idea of what is success, what is fun, what is popular, what is this. 
and through pop culture, through every megastar and rap star and rock star that sits there and lives that life of drugs and alcohol and sex and everything else that goes against God, is telling them that this is success. And every time we sit there and we allow the influence of the world to be greater than the influence of God's people, we are allowing the world to mold our generation. We are. Guys, I I could get into a lot of issues right now. And you're saying, you know what, this is why a lot of people don't want to come here, Pastor Tony, and hear you preach because you get on these things or whatever. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of seeing our children run to the world. I'm tired of us having to have a rescue plan to pull them out of the pit. Why can't we start here now and begin to put our hands on them and show them what is right? Because I promise you, the ways of God will never let them down. The ways of God will never leave them astray. I promise you, you do it God's way. Their marriages, their families, their kids, their successes, their money, their finances, their future will all line up as long as God gets his hands on them first. God's way is way better than the world's way. And what happens is they get a taste of the world and and they realize that, that there's a little fun there, but that fun always has a price tag and the devil always drags them down that way. And I know a lot of them come back, but I'd rather them stay where it's right rather than have them the scars when they come back. And thank God for the ones that do come back. And thank God for the restoration and the redemption and the restoration of God bringing in every aspect of their life. But I've got an opportunity right now to give the truth. I, I know you say, well, what are you talking about? The example that is set. You see right now, the, the Bible talks about that example that is set that, that my eye hath affected my heart. Do you guys know that? Our eyes affect our hearts. What we see. And, and, and that's why for, for the world, they sit there and they're going to blast before our kids through, through Disney Channel and through MTV and through all these other things that this is happiness. I'm not saying that every show they show is bad. I'm not saying every... Uh, that, that's not my point. But a lot of the message that they put behind it does not line up with what God says is true happiness. Does not whatsoever. And so God has said, you, you know what you need to do? As the world over here has set an example, I, I need the men of the church. I need the women of the church. I need mom and dads. I, I need what's going on inside the house. And the reason why I'm talking Father's Day right now, they're with you every single day. So I thought the church was supposed to mold them. Do you think that this 30-minute message right here is going to change their life like your 24-hour message will give them at home? It's not the same. And by the way, it's not only not the same, it's not God's way. This, what we do at church, is God's way of reinforcing what you should be doing at home. God established the home before he established the church. The church ought to be the assembly of a bunch of homes that come like-minded with the idea of doing and following what they've already been taught at home. The Bible says, my eye affect my heart. May our children see our passion for God. May may they see the conviction that's in our hearts. Let me me back up a little bit. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. 
Let me show you what I'm talking about. Going back to dad, I want, I want to show you Asa. You talk about Jehoshaphat of what he did and how he followed God. But it, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 15, 8, when Asa, who was his father, heard these words which the prophet came and told to him of the prophet, prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. You know, the, the Bible is saying this, this dad got stirred up in his heart. The Bible says that he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which had taken from Mount Ephraim. And he renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord God, or the Lord. You say, how did Jehoshaphat get to that point? Because he said that he saw his dad that had something going on in his heart. And he said, I got rid of the junk and I asked God. I said, God, you were invited in my life. See, the kids, our kids need to see our good works so that therefore they can glorify our Father which is in heaven. But a lot of times they don't see anything to follow. They don't see anything to mimic. I love 2 Chronicles 15 verse 12. And they entered into a covenant to what? Seek the Lord God of their fathers with all of their heart, with all of their soul. It's amazing. Our kids ought to see something different in us. What do you think they're going to get from us? And I'm just trying to tie this in because it's on my heart. I promise it's on half the church's heart right now. What do you think they're going to get out of us, mom and dad? When they come to this church and we sit there and we talk about and saying, hey, we're going to give the gospel, we're going to preach, and we're going to, we're going to pick them up and we're going to bring them in because just so you guys know that these are kids. And you say, they're kids, we're a bunch of kids. No, can we start wording that differently and just remind us that these are souls? These are souls. That they are eternal souls. They're going to live forever somewhere. And you sit there and say, it's about the set. It's about the chairs. It's about the buses. It's about, no, it's about people that need Jesus. That's what it's about. And we get up there and say, the greatest thing we could ever do is lift up Jesus Christ. To run to the lost and, and to show Jesus Christ. To glorify his name. To make a difference. To reach into the world. Jude 22 and of some having compassion. Making a difference. Your kid sees that and we sit there and say, hey, we need 10 more people for this and we need people to sign up for this and that. And all of a sudden your family walks out and they go out to the car and they sit in there and say, hey, dad, did we sign up? No, we're, we're busy. We're busy. You know how busy we are. And I know we are. And don't, don't get me wrong. But then all of a sudden, Monday night, it's two hours of Netflix and Tuesday night, it's CNN and Wednesday night, it's, you know what happens and I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip, but let me tell you this. They're going to see what your passion is truly about in your life. And we want them to grow up and have this zeal and this passion for God. Then let me just simply ask you, what are you showing them through your example? If they grow up to have the same passion for God as you're displaying for them right now, what kind of church are we going to have in 10 years? What difference will they desire to make? Let them see the love of God in our lives. Let them see marriage. I mean, we sit there and talk about that all the time, about, well, we, we know what happened in our city yesterday, and we can get all fired up and say, man, what a shame that they had the gay parade. And all, and we get all worked up about this. Let's just put that to the side for just a minute. Rather than us just complaining about what they're doing, let me ask you, what are we doing? Rather than just saying, that's wrong, 
Let me ask you this. Are you showing them what's right? You sit there and say, these Christian parents that go to church and all they do is bicker and they fight and they argue and there's no joy, there's no romance, there's no affection, there's no love, there's no any of these things. And they're looking at saying, mom and dad, you're complaining about what they're doing, but why would I want what you have either? See, the, the thing is, the Bible says it's, it's got to start with us. We've got to set the example. What makes the difference? The example that we set, but number two, the training that is given. I read this in 2 Chronicles 17.1. Notice what Jehoshaphat did. He didn't just sit there when he took over king. Listen to wording that he says. And you read the story before and then you see this and you realize he's following suit with his dad. And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against Israel. He, he began to put things in place to go to war. And he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garnishes in the land of Judah and the cities of Ephraim which Asa's father had taken. Do you know what Jehoshaphat was doing? He was doing the very things that he was taught to do by his dad. Now, I, I want to really hit home with this. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. No potter has ever gone to the clay and say, be a pot. And you say, well, that's, that's stupid. Nobody would do that. Well, let me tell you, a lot of us sit there and say, be a better kid. Straighten up. Act right. Respect your mom. Can I tell you guys right now that that's never found in the Bible, that you tell your kid what you want them to do and they just turn out that way? In Bible, the instructions that God has given us is he's saying that if the dad's going to sit on the couch and yell, why don't you act right? Dad's going to sit on the couch and say, why don't you respect your mom? God's saying train up a child is when dad gets up and he respects mom and dad gets up and he does what's right. It's not do as I say, it's follow my example. And then parents get up and they're not involved in their children's life and their children grows astray and then dad says, I don't know what happened. I brought them to church every Sunday. Nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say success comes from bringing your kids to church every Sunday. Never. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. That word provoke means to anger or enrage, to cause rebellion, and we do this. Because in our lives we have these rules. We yell, we discipline, we tell them what to do and what not to do. We say, I, I pay for this, and I'm your dad, and listen to what I say. And we have all these instructions. But it's not followed up with what God said. But then it finishes up, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word bring is an action word. So I'm going to do something. I want you guys to get this. Because I didn't even want to do this. I, I, honestly, I had this illustration as I thought this through and I thought this was cool. And then I practiced and I tried to get it. And I, I told my wife, I said, I cannot do what I want to do with my illustration without getting dirty. And then all of a sudden, God hit me and says, you, you, want to, you don't want to know why a lot of parents aren't making, having an effect on their kids? Because let me tell you, because we're not willing to roll up our sleeves and do what it takes. Daddy, you need to understand that raising men to be men doesn't just happen. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not just positive thinking. It's not just drop them off and say, run to Pastor Tyler, or run to Pastor Dave, or walk into that class, and I hope you learn to do right. It's not good enough, and it's not working. And a lot of us that, 
attend church and drop the kids off and we go through the motions of Christianity and we're not having the results that we want. We're wondering why. And God said, this is why. Let me show you about training. Number one, training must be hands-on. Dad, read again in Ephesians 6, 4. It said, and ye, and the, the word there is fathers. Not youth pastor, not pastor, not mom, not wife. The Bible says fathers. I'm always hesitant and nervous to preach this on Father's Day because my heart goes out to those single moms that sit there and say, Lord, I wish I had that. And let me tell you that God is bigger than our circumstances. And God has a way of stepping in and, and being a father to the fatherless and, and, and mending and, and leading in ways that we can't. So don't lose hope just because you don't have this picture here. But to mold our children to becoming followers of Christ. God gave me this thought. I, I, I had no idea when I was a kid. I had no idea when I was a kid that my dad would do certain things. And I'll be honest, I could not stand it. All right? Don't send this to my dad, but I'm going to tell you now. I couldn't stand it. My dad would get me up in the morning, and he was a construction worker. And my dad was taking me out, and he would, he would get up crazy early in the morning during the summers when we were not in school. And he would take me to the job sites. And, and, and he would say, when I need something, you run it to me. And when well, I don't want to get off the ladder. And eventually he taught me how to cut the, the vinyl and cut this and do this. And I, I, I grew into that. And I didn't even know. But the whole time, here's what my, my dad was doing. My dad was putting his hands on me. And he began, to, he began to mold me into what I needed to be. I didn't even know. I just thought he was taking away my summer. But the thing is, God knew that I needed to be a man that knew how to take care of my family. But it doesn't just happen. By yourself. I remember my dad had this one job. We were there and it was a construction job. And while we were on the construction job, my dad looked around and he said, you know, this whole job site's a mess. He said, have you ever thought about going to him and asking him if you could clean it up and offering him a deal? So I went to the guy that was the, the manager of this house, this new construction building. I said, hey, I'll tell you what, for 30 bucks... I'll clean the whole house out and clean the yard up while I'm helping my dad. I'll do this too. And the guy said, you are, you've got the job. I didn't even know that the whole time that that was in my dad's thought that I, he wanted me to take on initiative to, to say that I, 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 need, I need to take care of my family one day. And I remember at the end of it, I got that paycheck and I was so thrilled. I got paid and my dad got paid, and my dad usually got paid in cash. When we left the job site, we'd go see our boss, and then we'd go to the bank, and it was the same routine every single time. My dad would sit in the truck, and he pulled down his visor, and at the top of his visor, he normally had, like, our bills were in there, and it was his whole office, okay? It was very, very high-tech. <laughs> and, and, and he'd sit there, and he'd pull out that money, and he'd begin counting it out. And the first stack of money that went down, he looked at me and he said, Tony, that's God's. That's God's. And then he'd give me my money and he'd look there and he says, God is first, Tony. You know why a lot of times we're sitting there, I'm so afraid of the future of the church. You know, we don't have to be if we would start now teaching them to do what is right. And to put God first. And to put God at the center of it. 
I remember that my, my dad was a, an usher in our church, and when I became a teenager, my dad uh, had this idea, and he went to the other men, and he said, what would you think if we started pulling some of the young men, the boys, into doing this? And I got all excited and said, that's, that's, that's awesome. And so one of the days, I got to be an usher. And, and I took the plate, and I went down to the front, and we, we went upstairs, and there was this room, and all the ushers would dump the offering in there, and they'd sit there, and they'd sort it, they'd count it, and then they would pray over it and say, God, this is your money, and I remember doing that. Because I had no idea. I thought that was just volunteering to do something. I thought, I thought that I got to be cool in front of all my other friends that were just sitting there, that I, I got to be an usher in front of the church. I didn't know that my dad was putting his hands into my life to create in me what I needed to be. I remember there was this man in our church. His name was Brother Ali. He was an older gentleman. He had an older wife. He lived in one of the most disgusting houses I've ever seen in my life. And I'm not just saying that to be cruel. When we pulled up that night to, to pick him up, to bring him to church we would see silhouettes of mice and rats go across with no exaggeration. My dad was called to this guy's house because his, he lost all of his water and he crawled underneath the house and the mice were chewing through the PVC pipe to get to the water. My dad would sit there and, and late at night and he'd get his clothes on and he'd say, Tony, let's go. We'd go to this guy's house and he'd, he'd crawl underneath there and he'd say, give me this and give me that and I'd bring him this and bring him that and I had no idea. And my dad was molding me. And all through my life of how he treated my mom, how we were obedient, how we served, how we, all, all these different aspects. I didn't realize that, that my dad didn't just say, you need to serve God or God needs to be first or God needs to be part of your life or vacation Bible school is important or reading your Bible is important or putting God in the middle of everything is important. He actually was showing me that God was important. He was showing me. It's, it's not only hands-on, but let me tell you, it needs to be spirit-filled. You know why a lot of us fail at this? Because God says, let me tell you, parents, about what your life is. You're to be filled with the Spirit of God. Every time we come to church, every time we read our Bibles... Every time we sit down and worship God, and every time we're driving around in a car and the things that we're doing, you know what we're doing? We are filling our lives. And, and I thought about that same illustration with the potter, and you sit there and say, man, you have no idea. My kids are so calloused because of the world that we live in and because of the influences of their friends, and, and they see it on TV, and their friends do this, and their friends do that, and pot has become popular and everything, and you say... I just can't get through to my kids. Let me tell you what we put into our lives. The Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful. And it pierces directly to their hearts. You know why a lot of dads are sitting there going, I can't do anything. My kid won't listen. And he's just rebellious and, and all this. And here's the thing. You were never created by God to do it yourself. You know what a difference it makes when the word of God begins to take effect on that hard clay? When the sweet spirit 
of mom and dad having compassion for the lost and you said, Dad, it, it, it's nothing more than religion. Dad, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bunch of fake. It's a band-aid. It's this and that. Let God begin to break down their heart. Let, let, let it be God. Not your words, not your lectures, not I told you so, not you losing your temper and you going in there and you cuss them out and say, well, you don't do what I do. You, you do what I say and all this other junk that we try to do. It doesn't work. In those times that you're sitting there saying, I just, I just can't get through and you sit there and you're saying, Lord, as I go in there, I pray, Lord, that you'll help me create my kids and create in their life and create in their what I cannot do. And guys, I, I look back at my life and I honestly cannot tell you what made the difference. I could not tell you all the times, but I remember experiencing times in my life that, that, that I, I broke down, that I was in services, and you say that this doesn't matter. What we're doing right now matters. Bringing these kids here to hear the gospel, it matters. Allowing them to sit in junior church, allowing them to hear other leaders, allowing them to be under the influence of God's words, it matters drastically because it is quick, it is alive, and it is powerful, and it changes lives. I was 16 years old. I was 16 years old when I sat in church. And no mom or dad twisted my arm and brought me down to the altar. I got under conviction and I came forward and I accepted Christ. Do you know why? Because my heart was ready and softened by all of those days. I don't have time in Deuteronomy. I don't know if he has that passage. Deuteronomy, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy what? Heart. Say, so how is that possible? I'd love to have. I'd love to get the word of God in my child's heart to where it's in him. And not just me. Not where it's just in me, but it's in him. And the next verse says, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children when thou shalt walk with them. When thou sittest in the house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and while thou risest up. It was the same thing that my dad was doing with Brother Ali and those ushers and, and working that job and respecting my mom. And you know what he was doing? Little by little, dad was sitting there putting into my life. Into the fiber, into the grain, into my heart, into my conscience, into my conviction, into my thought process. Every bit of that was God working in my heart. And I didn't even know. I couldn't even see it. But when the Bible says, hide God's word in your hearts, where every bit, I promise you, when I got older and people were saying that premarital sex was okay or doing this was okay or cursing God was okay or whatever was okay, they could not convince me, although I might have did it. I didn't, but I'm saying only if I could have did it or whatever. And I, I still knew right from wrong. You know a misunderstood verse? And train up a child in the way he go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And people sit there and say, I'll tell you what, I wish I could claim that verse, but it doesn't work. I raised my kids in church. I raised them to love God. I raised them to know the word of God. They knew that Jesus Christ is the way, truth, and the life. They knew that he was everything. They knew heaven. They knew hell. They knew all these things, but they still got out of church. Here's what the verse actually means. 
They can get out of church, but they'll never leave what you wrote upon their heart. They might step in the wrong situation, the wrong relationship, but I promise you, in their heart, they cannot unrace 18, 20 years of God ministering to their heart, of you saying, what is right, what is right, what is right. But I tell you what does mess our kids up is when it's off again, on again, off again, on again. It's church, it's God, it's everything, it's the world, it's church, it's God. It's, and all of a sudden, they don't know, and you sit there and say, I raise them in church. You know what that verse said that we write? And teach it diligently unto thy children. It's not just right on Sunday, it is right on Monday. Let me finish with the last point. Goes in and says, what makes the difference? The example that is set, the training that is given. But last, it's the conviction that is installed. You instill into your children's hearts. Because let me tell you this, your kids will not always be kids. And you know what your, your goal is? So that inside of their life, eventually what happens, they've got the conviction and the spirit of God living in them as well. It's not just mom and dad saying it's wrong, and it's not just the church saying it's wrong. All of a sudden, they get to a situation, and their heart begins to beat, and they say, you know what, guys, I can't do this. It's just not right. You know, a great example, you look to study Daniel, study Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these young men that were in the world that had the opportunity to do whatever, study Joseph of how he was put into another nation that was away from his mom and dad, that he said, I cannot do this against the Lord my God. It wasn't mom and dad. It was something going on inside of his heart. We read later inside that same passage. When we get into 2 Chronicles chapter 17 verse 5. And we finish the story. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And Judah brought Jehoshaphat presents. And he had riches and honor and abundance. Listen to this. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and the groves out of Judah. Do you know why he took the junk out? Because the Bible says right there that Asa walked in his father and said, clean up your act. No. It says in that passage, and in his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. You see, I promise you, God being in their life is a whole lot better than your lectures will ever be in their life. God changing them and God filling them. And all of a sudden, they see the success of a godly marriage. And they see that we put all this work into something. And God showed up and children are saved. You know what happens? The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just tell it. Have your kids get an appetite of that which is right. Have them walk away and say, Dad, did we really have that many kids come? Lord, was it really that big of a difference? Lord, did God really move the rain? Did God really open the doors like that? And say, yes, son, God did that. Wow. That's my God, too. It's no longer just telling them what God has done. It's showing them what God will do. Don't ever forget. The word of God is powerful. And a lot of us are trying to shape these kids into what we want them to be. You leave God out, and I promise you, you'll just have a big mess. 
You will not have what we desire to have. We will not change. We will not convict. We will not instill. We will not mold. We will not break down. We will not break through the callous hearts of this generation without the working of God. So you know what we do as dads? We plead. We beg. We cry out. We fill our lives up with what he has for us. Because that's the only thing that makes a difference. 